This is the podcast for May 7th, 2010. It's not safe for work. It's the Jeff Glass and Blue Gal Podcast. Well, and I must say, I'm a little self-conscious these days. Yeah. Uh, because according to our stats, we are now over 21,000 oh listens. Oh, my gosh. Which Thank is a you, lo- everybody. Yeah, really. Thank you very That's much. really flattering and kind. <laughs> and we had, some, we had a variety of emails this week. We did. And uh, thank you very much for those. I, I always love the ones from 10 Grain at Mock Paper Scissors. He's always got such uh, good feedback. So thank yes. you, 10 Grain. A shout-out to 10 Grain, who emailed like 100 people. He did. About he did. He, Literally. Not yeah. Not making that up. Yeah, Thank he went door to door practically. We love you. Thank he, you. He, he is such a cool guy. Yeah. I have a I have a feeling that when I email him back, and I always try to, mm-hmm. I I forget the proper emoticons <laughs> to let him know that I'm smiling and winking when oh, I'm okay. emailing him back. <laughs> I, a I smiler a, and a winker. I don't think you'd. Have, I don't think he has okay. a problem with that. Because <laughs> I, I, I I can come across. I realize in retrospect that some of the things I say in writing come across as a little bit harsh. Well, you're a lone wolf, Driftless. I am. So, I'm a, I am. you know, I am. you come across as, uh, so, you know, you're, f- you're not, fu- there's nothing fuzzy bunny about you. Well, other than the giant fuzzy bunny slippers, yeah. there, there's not a lot not that's a cuddly lot about But I never feel intimidated by you. Oh, so. good. Then I'm clearly not doing my job. <laughs> and you're just, so, you're a tall man, so that. Tall guy. Tall guy. Tall, tall guy. Tall guys, you know. Yeah, we have our own set of special set of problems and needs yeah. and social issues and so forth. And As you said, we, tall guys can't get into a fight, actually, can no, they? No, we can't. Tall guys can't get into a fight. You're never going to win a bar fight. Mm-hmm. You can end a bar fight. Yeah. But there is no amount of abuse that you can take by someone who is a head shorter than you ah. and, and drunker than you. Yeah. That And more of an you know, asshole than you. And much, obviously. much more of an asshole than you. <laughs> Much, just hell bent on, you know, yeah. hell bent on proving dude. something. You know, dude, your your dick is still going to be small after I flatten you. You're aware of it, right? But there's always, you know, there's always some guy. Yeah. And it's always a guy. And it's and it's always, alcohol's always involved. Yeah. And the smart thing to do is to talk and be nice. And there's a whole series of sort of body language yeah. and moves and gestures and buy you a drink to, you can, that one learns to diffuse every, I think every guy learns to diffuse those situations. Because, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, if is it a, if a good a, idea to buy a drink for an angry drunk? Uh, at some point, it is a great strategy. Oh, okay. Because you, they can snap from from bellicose to grandiose just like that. Oh, all right. So all right. It, it really everything is situational. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if you if your desire is to avoid having to put him down, right? Okay. Then so you, you know if have, if that's oh, yeah. the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm a really, I'm a very peaceable, I'm a peace-loving guy. I really, I'm a, I, I am, don't like conflict only when it is forced upon me and then I will finish it. But I don't like the idea of, I like the idea of, of sitting and reasoning with people, which is what drives me nuts about the right. I have no problem apologizing. I have no problem making peace. I am, <laughs> let's put it this way, I'm, I am secure enough in my manhood to not worry about taking the high road yeah. And saying, you know, pal, if I did something to offend you, I'm really sorry. No. I really That's want to apologize. <laughs> if I bugged you, if I if I if I came across as whatever, yeah. if I if yeah. I ticked yeah. you off, why don't we sit down and I'll buy you a beer and you know 
and, and we'll, we'll talk about it. You know, and you throw in a sports, a little bit of sports, throw in a little bit of, you know, this or that. And if the person's hell bent on, on having a fight, they're going to have one. Yeah. But it's, that's the rare, well, rare exception. If you have that guy in the bar, <clears throat> there's a bunch of guys in the bar that want him out of there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, at that yeah. point. Yeah, you've got the yeah. crowd with you. Unless you've gone to the asshole bar <laughs> by mistake, where all the assholes go. The owner's um, son is the one being yeah. the asshole. Yeah, yeah. that's asshole a, junior. Hey, and, and it's Don't on assholes. It's, it's on assholes drink free night, oh, and God. you know half off are asshole girlfriends. <laughs> then you're probably this sort of situation doesn't come up with normal. Hey, did people. you talk to my girlfriend? Really? Yeah. <laughs> There's, a, there's an old John Belushi sketch about that, about, you know, it's always some guy. It's always about some chick's purse, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I <laughs> and remember said, that. And don't get me started about the Irish. Oh, the Irish love, they just love their mother. And nobody, <laughs> and, and Belushi then does his whole Belushi thing, which is, you know, 30 years later is still goddamn funny. It's so, because it's so true. It's absolutely true. Yeah, it, you so know? true. I was at a bar tonight. Oh, yeah? I was at uh, Laughing Liberally. Oh, wow. Uh, Chicago. Yeah. With the, Mike, with our in, friend Matt. With our in, the inevitable Matt, Matt Filipovich. Matt Filipovich. We love him. Hi, Matt. Love him. Who is on, by oh, the way, yeah. Ring of Fire. He's on Ring of Fire. Matt is on Ring of Fire. He's just a nice Every, guy. He's a nice guy, funny guy, um, stalwart liberal from That's Omaha. Um, and they, they put on sketch comedy. And they have a magician. And they have interviews there. And he the guy does the heads up videos on YouTube. I he does. He's, he's still he's doing a, those. I think I haven't gotten an email from him about those in a long time. Well, I think he's he's busy hanging out with uh, Bobby Kennedy, you know, okay, and well, uh, Mike Papantonio. He doesn't have time for us little people anymore. <laughs> Matt Filipovich's interview tonight was Rick Perlstein. So this uh, wasn't this wasn't stand up comedy then. Well, it, they do sketch comedy, stand up comedy, a little music, a little dance, a little seltzer down your pants, and 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 he has introduced an interview section. Where they okay. bring up somebody that they like or they know or they're impressed by or would be a good chat and talk and for Rick ten or twelve minutes. Rick Perlstein is the guy who wrote Nixonland. I've worked with him on a couple things for Crooks and Lines. Yeah, Rick Perlstein is, is impressive music. as hell. He's he's yeah. a good writer, um, very well researched. He of course he just you know he just gives off history lessons when he walks into a room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know we set up at the bar and and uh, sort of you know cracked a couple of jokes and it was just fun talking to him. It was. He's very approachable. He was interviewed on the stage. Yeah, they brought him up after the magician, so God help him. He had to follow the magician. <laughs> what but was the interview about? Because he wrote Nixonland. Has he written another book? or is He is in the process of writing a book on Reagan. Oh, wow. And um, it was – he's, <laughs> he's a sucker for punishment. He really is. <laughs> but the topic for the evening was, can Obama be a transformative president? Okay. And the, the consensus was no. It is Barack Obama is simply not capable of being a transformative president. He'll be a good caretaker president. That was my word. Mm-hmm. He'll, you know, he'll things will be better. You know, as Rick Perlstein pointed out, FEMA was better under Clinton, who was not a transformative president, than it was under Bush. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain things that are better, but Obama simply doesn't have it in him mm-hmm. to take on his enemies, to call them out for being extremists, to mm. capitalize on them. To to it's a matter of temperament it's a matter of temperament and it's a matter of the the times we live in it is no longer you know the case that you can point to the john birch society and say aren't those people extreme the example uh mr pearlstein gave or i would call him rick he, he pointed out that in the 60s it was you know the john birch society was on the cover of time magazine as basically holy mother of god 
look at these the ultras they were called these these extremists how do we get these extremists to give up their being basically bug fuck crazy and come and join the you know back to the normal discourse of a civilized nation and 40 years later glenn beck is on the cover of time magazine and they're fawning over him mm-hmm. that the idea that we are that the press plays any kind of um uh watchdog role mm-hmm. uh over extremism is gone um, it's just there's left and right, there's up and down, there's conservative and liberal. There's 50 and 50. We'll just split it right down the middle. We don't care who's right or wrong. Uh-huh. You know, everybody yell at each other, and we'll get ratings and, we, and money. Did, out of did it. they get into at all the difference in media between the time of the John Birch Society? And a, a little bit. It, the, the idea that the media, I, the, the expression Rick used was mau mauing, mm. uh, which is a lovely expression from the 60s and 70s, which basically means threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, that Reagan and Nixon essentially mal mowed the press mm-hmm. into into rolling over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The press used to be you know used to be much more aggressive, and they used to be much more interested in you know, pointing well, out when someone. I think, I think there's a big difference too in the way the public digests information. Reading this uh, article about Time Magazine versus the New Yorker, which were founded in I believe within one year of another. Both occupied the offices occupied the same building in New York City, but they were, their approach to news was completely different. But what I want to connect that to what you're saying is, you know, this was in the late 20s. Appetite through the war years and through the 50s uh, for the printed word and reasoned intellectual discourse on paper yep. was far more popular. First of all, because it wasn't television for a long time. Mm-hmm. But also and, just because the, it seemed like the demeanor of the American public was attracted to intelligence. Farm, yeah. And there's always been an anti-intellectual streak in America. Oh, yeah, yeah. Discord. Yeah. But the founding of the Book of the Month Club was in the late 40s, early 50s. You know, you need to kind of read because that keeps mm-hmm. you abreast of the times and blah, blah, you know. Yeah. Why would you? And that, but that was it was considered. You know, it was absolutely considered to be the the thing to do to be a good citizen right. is stay, read and, and stay cool. informed yeah. and, to be, and to be cool. Yeah. You know, and and the cool people around the time of the John Birch Society were uh-huh. the beat poets. You know, they were poets. Yeah. Really, they were writers. They were intellectuals. Man, countercultural. Yeah. You know how astonishing is that? <laughs> And what they were saying and, and their appearance, you know, you know they maybe would. Maybe you and I are the cool people and we just don't know it, Drift Glass. Yeah, we got to wait another <laughs> we gotta century. Wait we're dead. Yeah. Then we'll be then cool. We'll then be we'll, show, we'll show them all, Blue Gal. We'll show all those bastards. You can't come to our party. Oh, God. No Back one ever to Obama's temperament and, and why he can't be a transformative well, yeah. president. Yeah. Uh, my, my nickname for. My president, my current nickname for him is the is the wingnut whisperer. Ten uh, um, well, calls him the Care Bear. Yeah, he is, and and he, yeah. he, you know, it's it's like it's like there was this legend that he heard once upon a time about a, a mountain man who yeah, came down really from the hills and could magically whisper to crazy people yeah, on the right yeah. and and have them stop being crazy. Yeah. It's like it's like he studied Clinton and mm-hmm. and determined well Clinton what Clinton did was he he had he used you know seven of the wrong gestures and five of the wrong adjectives which is why the wingnuts went apeshit. Mm-hmm. What he is temperamentally unable to perceive 
he's temperamentally unable to cope with is the fact that there are just about 20 to 30 percent of this country on the right who hate absolutely violently, aggressively, with a white-hot rage, hate anyone with a D after their name. Yep. And that they are – they will whoever it is – it, it, whoever it is with a D after their name is de facto illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Not that they disagree with them, not that their policies are wrong, but they do not believe that they are legitimate. Period. Mm-hmm. And the right, you know, the right propaganda folks make a ton of money inventing um, fig leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, about Bill Clinton not really being the president, and he doesn't really count, and he's a rapist, and he's oh, and then Barack Obama. Well, you know, he wasn't born in this country, and birth certificates, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And none of the and the people who make this crap up. As um, David Brock confessed when he used to work for American Spectator, the people who make this crap up know they're lying. They know they're lying. They just don't care. Mm-hmm. They need that 20 to 30 percent of the hardcore, crazy, bigoted, imbecile right to run everything. That's, 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 how, they, that's how they maintain power. And what Barack Obama cannot wrap his head around is those people are his enemies. Yeah. And those people are the enemies of democracy, and they're with us forever. Pearlstein was really clear that those people are always around. But there was a time when you would point to them and say, oh, my God, how awful that those people are that way. Mm -hmm. Isn't it objectively horrifying that those people are such morons? Mm -hmm. Now, there is no one who does that. No one in the press does it. No one in politics does it. No one on the left does it. Everybody's very eager to – Well, if you do it, then you lose a two-party system. Well, if you do it, you are never allowed back on television again. Well, yeah, because the television is based upon mm-hmm. both sides and have and and de- and these imaginary debates over things. Mm-hmm. The entire news media is focused on we're going to have a Republican on and a Democrat on. We're going to do you know we're going to look at and it's all about perpetuating this two party system. But the question is, the- Ralph Nader on you right now. Well, that's why the 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 consensus. I'm I'm really I kind of agree with this. Is that nothing much is going to change over the next six right. years? Right. Um, things are going to get worse because maybe, maybe sixteen years. I mean, yeah. I, you know, it's 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 going to be slow. Well, and if you look at the if you look at the alternate history where President McCain and Vice President Palin take over. Mm-hmm. This country is a smoking wreck right now. It is a is a big nuclear wasteland right now. So I'm very glad that didn't happen. There, you know, there's always worse. You can always you can always screw up more badly than you already have. Yeah. This is where the right has become irrelevant because the most solid, thoughtful critiques of the Obama approach and methodology and outcomes and belief structure are coming from the left. Yeah. The people on the left never thought this guy was the Messiah, never thought he was the one. That was an invention. That was something that Rush Limbaugh pulled out of his ass to demonize. it was something John McCain said in a debate. He said that one. Well, and you know what? I think think that's our hidden advantage. You know, if we have one advantage, it's that conservatives don't have the slightest fucking clue about what liberals really are. Well, and that's that's one of the things I wanted to talk about tonight with you is – my wish list for the Democratic Party, <laughs> because one Why of not? the things I really wish, and I don't think I will ever get from the Democratic Party, is the kind of pure ideological loyalty mm-hmm. that the Republicans do have. Two-way. Uh, what? A two-way street, a loyalty that runs both ways. What do you mean by that? I mean, I mean, I would like 
my Democratic Party to be as loyal to me and my beliefs and my very reasonable expectations as they expect me to be to them at election time. Yeah, right. Well, that's the point is if if the Democratic Party would stand up for single payer, for instance, which a great many of the Democrats in Congress say they want. But, oh, you know, (laughs) there's all these interests and there's this and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, oh, no, we're really for single payer. Really, down the road, we're really for single payer. Well, if they were all really for single payer. We'd have single payer. We'd have single payer. Yeah. So and someone is not for single payer. Or if they were, if the Republicans were for single payer, mm-hmm. that would be it. That's the line in the sand. You know, we're this. You know, this is what we are, and this is what we. And it's easy to be the party of no. You can just and in the minority because there's no accountability for what you decide to vote on, except that you can stop everything. Right. But the thing that you sacrifice when you have that kind of tremendous ideological hard-heartedness is the ability to govern <laughs> well now that's the, now you you raise a really good point there mm-hmm. and that's the i, I was uh, watching recently uh, um uh 2007 or 2006 um documentary called the trap hmm. by the same people who did um oh power the, of nightmares power of nightmares yeah, yeah, exactly right the power of nightmares and the century of the self mm-hmm. and and it really does make a very, very persuasive argument that there's negative liberty and positive liberty. Mm-hmm. And negative liberty is what we're stuck with. Mm-hmm. Positive liberty means you can you can change people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that you believe in the power of, of, of democratic institutions or governmental institutions mm-hmm. or even dictatorial institutions to change people for the better. Mm-hmm. Negative liberty means you've abandoned all hope that anybody that the that institutions can do anything good. Mm-hmm. And the only thing you can do is prevent them from from doing harm. Destroying, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's where we're at now. We have we have a. I think we're headed for a profoundly schizophrenic breakdown in this country, yeah. because you have the same people who desperately need government to be there for them. Yeah. When it's whether it's old age or infirmity yeah. or education or natural disaster or man-made mm-hmm. disaster. Yeah. Well, that's it. They, yeah. They desperately need government to be there, and they will tell you that they need government to be there. Are the same people who say, "But you can't trust anybody." Right? Government is inherently wrong. Government is inherently evil. And if you're in government, if you work for government, if you're part of the government, there's, you, you're a monster, or you're lazy, or you're a union thug. Mm-hmm. You know, because the idea that you would you would go to these people. You remember the song? Uh, uh, What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? Right. 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 The, the idea that you would actually want to serve your country yeah. or serve your community or run for office to make people's lives a little better is something that the right just doesn't believe anymore. Yeah, they well, don't and, be- and it's, it's astonishing that then you know, and now they're creating social human security be- is the third rail and Medicare is the third rail and the troops are the third rail. Those three things are the most <laughs> largest That's, outflow that- of government money in mm-hmm. the universe, you know, mm-hmm. and – um, I have two rays of hope <laughs> that I'd like to shine please. upon what you just said. In oh, please, of- for God's sake, sure. Because <laughs> I'm sitting here looking, you know, uh, down the barrel of my yeah, future. But, but, well, you know, and that's and looking is, good. The, the, that there is a lot of devastation to clean up and so on and so forth. Two rays of hope. One is that I went to a book club meeting that was all women last night, probably about 30 women. You know, they like books where there's a heroine and she <laughs> learns an important lesson. <laughs> you know, that's their... Preferably a Christian one, no, I would no, imagine. No, no. It, they don't have to be heavy-handed Christian, but, yeah, uh-huh. there's some sort of moral to the story. 
oh, the name of the book is Sarah's Key, if anybody's interested. And okay. it's, it's yeah, it's got a little girl who's got escapes from the Nazis and this modern day reporter and, you know, who is obviously supposed to be Gwyneth Paltrow. You know, <laughs> now, does this novel the streets of France? Uh, just we were talking about it, and we go around the circle, and the cir- the, every lady talks about what they liked about the book. And we get to four people from the end, and the woman says something to the effect of, "I agree with what everyone else said. I don't think I'll I'll say my last part. I'll just I, I'm kind of cowardly, so I won't say the last thing I want." <laughs> And these are these are suburban. These are um, downstate Illinois housewives. Downstate Illinois uh, church ladies. Yeah, I mean okay. they're not. Okay. They're, so, a lot of them work for a living. There's real. There's a real estate agent. I would say the age range runs from 45 to up into. There's probably several 78 or 79 year olds. And okay. There, there are certainly right. women there who remember World War II and whose whose husbands were in the service. There were several gotcha. people saying, "Well, you know, <laughs> my husband was in the service, and after the war, we went over and saw, we toured." Um, France, and we toured, yes. and we went, and we took a train, and we went over, and we saw Auschwitz, and went to Poland. We saw Auschwitz. We toured his battlefield. Yeah, and, we yeah. went to. Exactly. I, know, I know the they type. The I really. Thing yeah. In 1952, yep. we did this. Yeah, you know. Well, you paint a very vivid picture of your of your yeah. cohorts there. Yeah, and and they had you know chicken salad sandwiches for everybody, and you know it's very nice, and, mm-hmm. and we talk about a book, and it's so uh, you are deep. You are deep in a foreign country, basically. Right. Well, you know they're they're very not a, uh, not a hostile country, not but a, a fo- hostile country, but. And they're bright, you know. They read books. They uh-huh. know how to spell. Yep. They have good penmanship. They read <laughs> their children right. I would say sixty um, percent or more of the women of the thirty-five women there grew up on a farm. Gotcha. Okay. But anyway, so this woman said, "Well, I'm just not going to say the last thing that I need to say that I was going to say, but I'm I'm too shy. I'm too cowardly. I'm not going to say it." And so, of course, the moderator said, "Oh, come on, Madge." <laughs> <laughs> or whatever her name was, you know. Oh, sure. come on, Madge, just out with it. And, and she said, well, you know, I was reading all about this rounding up of the Jews in France and everything. And, you know, I kind of feel like that's what we're doing today in, in Arizona. Wow. And. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you could have just. I just kind of feel like, you know, and, and, and it was said very shyly, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. she doesn't, we don't want to bring politics into church, you know, or anything wow. like that. And so, of course, I jumped That's... right in. <laughs> hey, well, I've got a few things to say to you. And I did. And I said what I said, I've said a couple times, both um, on Twitter and I think on my blog, too. About Yes, on my blog. And this was the thing that got Keith Oberman to read my blog, by the way. Ooh. Um <laughs> Because he responded yeah, we're just, to my we're tweet. We're just dropping the names right and left. Okay. By the way, Keith Oberman responded yeah. to my tweet. I um, see you, Rick Perlstein, and raise you, Keith Oberman. <laughs> I can't raise you a Keith Oberman. You know what? You know, Blue Gal, you win. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, but, I, I mentioned in my blog about uh, that wonderful, I mean, it's a wonderful uh, ace, <laughs> ace of spades to pull out of your pocket when you're talking about immigration, that uh-huh. the, the um, article that... Benjamin Franklin wrote in Philadelphia about the Germans. Oh, I, you, yes, I did see this on your blog. Yeah, and yeah. he said, you know, his he had this bit of a tirade about the Germans are moving into Philadelphia and they don't speak English and they're taking all the good jobs uh-huh. and we will never share their complexion. Yes, 
Yes. And it's yes. totally natural. <laughs> the Germans, you know, and I i mean, I don't know if you have any German blood in your heritage, but my mother was a Kaiser. I mean, you know. Uh, oh, God. Oh, God. That's her maiden name. So I come from Deutsch stock, Pennsylvania Deutsch. Yeah. Uh, good good Aryan. Good, uh, good uh, German. Yeah. My, my uh-huh. grandfather was Kaiser. It really struck me that I'm not white enough for Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> and, you know, I know exactly how you feel, Barack Obama, about being black enough to be president. That is really, that's So I brought incredible. that up, and then all that's of a sudden really cool. we're talking about Facebook. And these ladies who are on Facebook because they love to share pictures of their grandchildren on <laughs> Facebook, you know, said, Sorry. oh, and you know, I see these Facebook pages, and they're so full of hate, and it's mostly about Barack Obama, and I think it's mostly because, you know, he's black, and it's so awful, and they're just so hateful, and then they make no sense, and they're crazy, and I got an email from someone telling me that Barack Obama was an Arab. The crazy thing is, you know, three months ago, he was a Kenyan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And now he's an Arab, and now... Man. It's whatever you whatever you hate this month. That's and, what and he so is. And then it was pile on times. Like, oh, I read. You know, someone sent me an email too, saying that Barack Obama was kidnapping congressmen and taking them on his airplane and brainwashing them. Oh, God, <laughs> it was astonishing to me to watch this very comparatively rural to the people that were laughing liberally Chicago tonight. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, older, white, as white as could be. And uh-huh. Christian, self-identified white Christian older women, and mm-hmm. those are the supposedly the Tea Partiers. You know, that's who makes mm-hmm. up the Tea Party is these women who are reading these emails. You know, and all of them were just horrified. Now I have to say, I have to add to the to the mix and be honest. It is United Methodist, so I mean, yeah, well, you know, that's, that's hippie. So there you go. Uh, the other ray of hope that I have is. Yes, I agree with everything you said about Barack Obama not being a transformative president. I don't think he has the personality for it. However, he has or he has attracted the kind of wonky people who are very good at things like organizing and uh, voter registration. Yes, that's very true. And uh, I got an email today from the... They're now called Organizing for America. They were called Obama for America, and they just, for some reason, David Pluff didn't throw away the email. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they came up with a plan of what what the aims of Organizing for America are going to be for the next three months, and it's going to be Mm -hmm. support the president, support candidates who support the president, which makes me just laugh because... Barack Obama recorded an ad for Blanche Lincoln this week, and that yeah. just turned my stomach. I mean, I just thought, oh, come on. That's that's DSCC, you know. Yeah. We're going we're gonna support incumbent Democrats no matter what they do. And, you know, yeah. what, what's next? You're going to record one for Lieberman? You know, I, just, I, I just, was just going to go there. Yeah. It just. And, and yeah. part of it is I wish that he would recognize stigma of lightning rods, for, it's unfortunate that we progressive bloggers have these lightning rod candidates that we aren't sort of more even, even I think, in terms of spreading our discipline abilities and outrage to 
all of Congress and making sure we're watching yes. all of them. Instead, yes. we focus on the work, which maybe that's what we need to do, but it does seem like we pick two or three to really, really, really hate <laughs> yes. on our own side. But yes. Blanche Lincoln's one of them, you know, yeah. if, if not the really one is. at this point. We need to cut off one limb for the team, and this is the yeah. one. Well, and, and imagine now. Now, this is this. You you raise you know you bring us right back to what Pearlstein. Rick Pearlstein was saying. Oh no, let he, me let me just finish about my uh-huh. ray of hope, which is mm-hmm. there. The organizing for America's goal for the next three months is to sign up new voters and to sign up young voters, and that I think is is going to be transformative. As we move ahead in the next decade, well, I I think they have their work cut out for them. Well, I'm they, very glad. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad they're doing it. I think they need to reclose a lot of voters that they that they closed last time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I tell the story talking to a guy who walked the soles of his shoes off for Barack Obama, yeah. and is and there's a lot of people out there who who invested an enormous amount. Young people, people from you know 18, 19 up to 30s in their 30s. Who invested an enormous amount of their personal political heart mm-hmm. in Barack Obama saving this country? Yep. Not being Jesus, not being you know, not walking on water, but really standing up. And they they, uh, they were projecting. And the thing I asked the guy, you know, this guy who's in line, and the guy, the thing I've I've always asked younger politically active people around me was what will you do when he breaks your heart? Yeah, yeah. You know, what happens when you find out he's just a fucking politician? Because yeah. they're all just politicians. There's nothing wrong with being a politician. Well, it could be what a- I thought about when I thought Blanche Lincoln. I thought, God, that's politics as usual in the worst possible it, way. Exactly, in the worst possible way. Politics as usual is not as bad as everybody thinks no. it is. The measure, see, the measure of a transformative president by, by Rick Perlstein's yeah. metri- metric, which is, Understand that the, the, the crazy right is always going to be with you, but economic populism is a Democrat's friend. Don't yep. run away from it. Yep. Embrace it. Absolutely. And turn, and turn and do what, what FDR did and turn on your enemies and talk about the malefactors of great wealth and talk yep. about the people who, and say they hate me and I welcome their hatred. Yep, yep. Let's say thank you to our contributors because we Let's do, do that. Them. And, uh, you can donate to us and also listen for free. Uh, mm-hmm. to past episodes of our podcast at our website, which is DG for Drift Glass, BG for Blue Gal, podcast.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. Our email address is remarkably similar. It's <laughs> dgbgpodcast at gmail.com. It's almost like it's a plan, Blue Gal. It, it's almost like some plot. <laughs> and uh, we're just so glad to have you listening to us. We are available really on are. iTunes. And uh, hang in there. Because things get better. Yeah. And the, the long arc of history, things really do slowly, yeah. painfully, slowly, painfully get better. And get better. And I love being here with you guys. And I want you um, to know my the maid of honor at my wedding, her advice to me was this too shall pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when the bunching over your honeymoon suite says abandon hope all you. <laughs> exactly. It's time to play us out, Internet Kitty. This podcast is produced under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2010. 
Driftglass Blue Gal Podcast.